Blessings, this is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week, Pastor Walter Arias wrote a message titled, Responses to Jesus. The birth of Jesus shook the land and every type of person had to give a response before his birth. Let's listen to the rest of the message and may God bless you. And if you join me in a prayer, good God, it's to you, God the Father, that we come by the merits of Jesus, giving you thanks for all that you allowed us and you, and for this opportunity to be here, Lord, to worship you and exalt you, to have our heart as an offering, even with our finances are presented before you. But Father, we need to hear your word so that you edify us through it. Teach us, Lord. I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you comfort us or you confront us or you teach us, you challenge us, you shake us, Lord, you bring us information and you educate us through it. And it be you, God, blessing this space, but everywhere where the people are watching from their homes or their other cities in the name of Jesus, we pray. And the whole church of the Lord says, Amen and Amen. Glory to the Lord. This is a season to speak or continue speaking like all the year that we spoke of the Lord Jesus Christ and the way that God through salvation and it's the birth of Jesus shook the land and it didn't only shake it but continue shaking it. Every type of people in ancient times, before God became man, they had to confront themselves with scripture and with the written prophecies or the dictated prophecies of the birth of he who was going to come as a savior. Those generations that didn't have the blessing of seeing him come, but they waited anxiously that they died waiting for his arrival. Generations upon generations, there was others that he came and when he came, they didn't understand them, the majority of them. Some understood them. But 2,000 years have passed, and as Scripture says to us, we have had the blessing of having the Word to see the story of those that waited for Christ, those that had Him and didn't understand Him. But for us, the Word was revealed. For us, the Holy Spirit was given to us so He could protect us and we could accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Every generation had to confront themselves before the name of Jesus Christ and give a response. Say, give a response. All generations and today present, you're going to have to give a response before the name of Jesus and those generations that are coming will have to also respond before the name of Jesus and how are you going to respond before the act of his birth? God that became man, if you allow me, in the way of introduction, briefly, and this is like a general teaching. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young person, 15, 16 years old, perhaps, a virgin who was used and taken to be having her wound used so that the seed of the Spirit would be there and the Lord Jesus Christ would be birthed. And before this act, she was afraid. But the angel that appeared to her said, do not be afraid because you have found favor with God. And her response before the Savior and her being chosen, her response was fear. Of course, why not? How was it not going to be? 
But then she accepted and she accepted the process. She expected the way of God who had chosen her. And she served as the mother and as the wound to protect Jesus in her wound in all his life and all the time that he was by her side while she had to protect. And Joseph, in the same way, Joseph, uninformed of the prophecy because David had to be born, uh, sorry, Jesus had to be born of the house of David and he had to respond then when he is told about the birth of Jesus Christ in the womb of uh, uh, Mary and Joseph was fear and he doubted. And then in that doubt, another angel had to speak to him in his dream and said, do not fear because in her is what is from the Holy Spirit. And also gave a response before the arrival of Jesus Christ to this land. And we understand that from there, Joseph accepted Mary and not only accepted Mary, but he accepted Jesus, of course. And he took care of him as the Bible registers until when we don't know much about him. But we also see in scripture Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias, the mother of John the Baptist, had to respond before the act where God becomes man through Jesus. And scripture says that when Mary was pregnant, she goes visit her family, her relative Elizabeth. And when she went to embrace her, it says that in her womb, John the Baptist jumped and there. And she says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit by the presence of baby Jesus in Mary when she came to Elizabeth she was full of the Holy Spirit and her response before the Messiah in that wound was of joy and happiness and she said some words and she says but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me look at what this woman Elizabeth says why is this granted to me that Mary the mother of my Lord she recognized Jesus in her wound she recognized him as her Lord Look at the response of Elizabeth and the husband of Elizabeth, Zacharias. This man that was, when he found out that his wife was pregnant with little John the Baptist in her, when he opened his mouth, when John the Baptist was going to be born, when they were going to give him a name, it says that he started to speak and he started to prophesy not only of John the Baptist, his own son, that was being born in the from the womb of Elizabeth, but he started to prophesy of Jesus Christ, who was going to come out of the womb of Mary. The response was a man that became a prophet of Jesus. He spoke of Jesus. We also have the shepherds. When the angel appears to them and tells them the story of the Messiah that was in the manger, and they said they had great fear, but the angel spoke to them and said, don't be afraid. And they said some words, and they said, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. What was their response before the announcement that Jesus, oh God, had become man and was born from the womb of a woman? What did they say? They said, let us go to Bethlehem. So they had to give a response. All had to give a response. Even the multitudes of the host in heaven with the angel, the word says that they praised God and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. In the moment of having the angels there when Jesus was being born, the angels of heaven, the heavenly hosts had to give glory before that birth of Jesus on this land. Everyone has to give a response. Say response or responses. Responses of the heavenly host before the birth. We see, we see the angel there. 
that there's heavenly beings on this earth giving a response before the birth of Jesus and responses of men and women, common men, like a virgin, like a carpenter, like some shepherds of sheep. They all had to give a response of the birth of Jesus Christ. But I want in this morning, if you allow me, that we see the response of some that are studied according to the word, Magi or wise and of the earthly king called Herod. They also had to give a response. Some wise men, because we speak of the heavenly hosts and the angels, how they responded before the birth of Jesus Christ. But we see a common people, a virgin, a carpenter, and some shepherds. They had to give a response. They had to respond before the birth of Jesus. What about some wise? Because in everything, there's always the wise, the science, the philosophers, those that are studied. Let us see the responses that those people gave in that time before the arrival of Jesus. And what about the governors? Because there's always rich people, governors, and people in power, perhaps that they had to give a response before the birth of Jesus Christ? Look, everybody has to give a response before the presence of Jesus or the name of Jesus. The Today's topic has as a title, Responses to Jesus. Would you be able to say it with me? Responses to Jesus. And when we say responses to Jesus, it's how am I going to respond before the name of Jesus? How are you and I are responding. How did we respond when they spoke to us about Jesus? How will we respond now when they say that Jesus is the Son of God? How do we respond? What responses are we giving? And I want to also speak of the wise here called the Magi and King Herod. And the first point is the Magi. But so that we can see this, we have to go to Scripture. And I want you to go to please in in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the following. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. To worship him. That is the part in the context, which is the whole gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. We see there that Matthew, how he speaks of the arrival of Jesus and how the Magi and where they come from. So we have a general concept that today is uh, known as Iraq. Of those, that section was known as Iraq. That whole region, they came down to Bethlehem. And the word of God says that they were wise. When we speak wise or Magi, they had a knowledge of astronomy because they studied as such the constellations. They studied because that science has always existed. Not astrologers, but astronomers. They were known of the stars. They studied the processes, but also gives me the impression that they knew scripture as well. It looks like they were very understood of scripture. Why? Because in the region where they were going, there had been already prophets that had prophesied of the arrival of the Messiah, and they had spoken of some specific signals of a star that was going to come, and it was going to be positioning itself in the same place of his birth. And so we see some men that are studied. We see some men that are trained. We see some men that are very understanding, are very calculating, are very a lot of numbers, but also men of a type of faith. And I think that faith was great. Because they believed in a scripture, they knew of the stars, of where the constellations would be, 
And based on a scripture, they took the decision or made the decision to go and go from Iraq to there in Bethlehem, to this place in Bethlehem. So it was some people, not just anyone, people that had a mind that was very clear in their studies, but a heart that was ready to believe a prophecy that was written. Let us read Matthew 2, chapter 2 again, please. I would appreciate this. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And it's that there they came before King Herod. So we can understand the ruler, the king of Rome as such, a man that was in power and they come to him. So imagine their mentality. They say, if it's a king that has been born, I imagine that he would be born in a palace. So this was their logical reasoning. So they went to King Herod to say, where has the king been born? Are you with me? So you can understand. So they go to a place where supposedly uh, they would be born a king. And they were waiting for the signal that the star would come close. But they deduced that it had to be in the home of a king. And these Magi, I want to look at these Magi. The things that they did, the first thing that they did is that they inquired. Say they inquired. The responses that this Magi gave before the act of the scripture that they read, the star that had moved and positioned itself and what they were waiting for years before that, that, that place, they give a response. And the first thing is, is that they inquire. And in their travels, they're going inquiring where they're going. Where's he going to be born? Where's he going to be born? Where's the star going to be positioned in their travels? But when they got to this region, they asked. They said, "Where is the king?" We came to see the king, or they asked, "Where is the king?" And how important is to know about Jesus? That's why we all give a response. They gave a response that was very positive. They wanted to know who was Jesus. They have read scripture, but they inquired, where would Jesus be born? It's imperative in our faith to inquire upon Jesus, to know him and to recognize him. They said the king. They inquired for the king. They came searching for the king that was being born. They inquired when they decided. When we inquire, when we decide to listen to someone that speaks to us of Jesus, when we say to someone, speak to me a little bit more, I'm inquiring about Jesus. When you and I congregate to listen to the word, we're inquiring, and inquiring is to ask ourselves. We're making questions or asking ourselves, who is he? And that is a coherent act with a human being when he wants to get together with God. Are you with me? You coming here are inquiring, and that is correct, and let us continue doing it. It's imperative to have this in your heart, a response before God. Who is Jesus? It's important to seek his essence in scripture. It's necessary to get into it. When you and I get into, into the ministerial school, when we go to a Bible study group, when we go to a spiritual retreat, every time that you do that, you have to understand that you're doing it for the motivation, that you want to know more of Jesus Christ. Every time more, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Let me tell you that all the books of the Bible have to do with Jesus. All the books of the Bible show the essence of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. There's not one book of the Bible that doesn't talk about Jesus. The whole Bible shows things that are shadows. Moses is a type of Jesus, so you understand. Moses was used 
to take out a people from Egypt from slavery to be taken to a promised land. That's called a type of Jesus. In other words, Moses is a shadow of the truth because Jesus is he who came to take us out of Egypt, out of sin, out of slavery, out of the sin of death, to put us in the place of glory and blessing. When we see a Joseph who, I'm sorry, Joshua, who followed Moses, this young man, who did, he was used to take this people, to take them out of this place from the Jordan, to pass the Jordan, and to give them a land of blessing. Joshua is a type of Christ for us as well. For the Hebrews, it was. So Christ is the revelation of every book of the Bible so that you can understand it. You look at Christ through all places. So every time we study, every time we go into the scriptures, we're seeking Jesus. We're inquiring when we seek him in secret. When you have a need or a problem, when you have a need, when you don't know where you're going to or what's happening, then you need to inquire, and you have to inquire on your knees. The Word of God says, Come to me, all those who are heavy laden and burdened, that I will give you rest. Jesus is the one saying there, Inquire, come, seek me. That's a response. The Magi inquired, and the same thing that the Magi did is that they worship. Say, worship. They worship. There in verse 2, it says there in chapter 2, verse 2 in Matthew, it says in chapter 2 of Matthew, it says, and I'm sorry, it says chapter 2, verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, the, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Let us look at it. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. So what's the second thing they did? The responses of the Magi, first is that they inquired. Another response is that they worshipped him. They came to worship him. And this, I ask myself, why did they do this? They did it because they had an understanding of who he was. They had seen him in scripture. They had understood him through the movement of the stars and the star that was moving that registered him. And now they knew the magnitude of him that the prophets had spoken of. And as of such, they didn't come only just inquiring where he was, but now with the intention of their heart to worship him because of who he is, because he is the king of the Jews. They honored him. They honored him as such, bowing down. They didn't come only inquiring, but now they honor him. They worship him, and they honor him by bowing down before him when they bowed down to his majesty. Even though he was a little baby, they understood what is there. They understood that there, who is there, and they bow down, and how good and how correct that we can inquire of Christ, but also that we can worship him, that we also bow down before him, that we also bow down. How good it is that in secret I can humble myself and I worship him. Not only when we're in a congregation, no, but also when we're in our need or in our silence or in our times being alone, it's important that we can worship him. Do you recognize Jesus? Not only as king, but also he that is deserves worship. Do you recognize that? Glory to God. And as such, bowing down, we're doing it. It's an act of humbleness and recognition. When they bow down, they are wise men. They're great men and very wise. But they're very wise. And they come before a baby and they bow down to worship. This speaks of humbling. 
Even though they're greater, they humbled to one that would look small, but they knew was greater than them. Are you with me? How important it is when we humble ourselves as human beings, many times we become haughty of heart. And the youth, you know, when, you know that when you're young, when you're a child, you go and you go and you come back, you go and you come back, they take you from any place. But there's a time that we have consciousness and we start to grow. And in our adolescence, we think that we're the greatest thing, right? And we think that we know it all and we can become arrogant in our youth. And then we become very nice, pretty good looking like myself, right? <laughs> all elegance, even the ladies are looking good, right? So we start thinking that we're the greatest. Look at what happens when you're in your youth. But the life starts striking us and the Lord is working with us and it starts breaking us a bit. And the time comes that we say that we're mature. We start to mature so that those things of the youth start to diminish. But then we have a risk, and especially in this country, that in this country, everyone that we come, we have the opportunity to study, to buy, and to advance, and to gain money. All of us that are here, we have the opportunity to buy whatever we want, to go wherever we want. It's at all because here the finances give for everyone. But that takes us to an opportunity to become prideful again. Because now, or arrogant, now I have money, or, and when I pray here, I say, please give jobs to the congregants, and then I start to pray secretly, and then I say, take, them the, take away the job, take away the job, yes, I pray like that, let me tell you why, Lord, oh wow, what if the, the, the money damaged them, Lord, they became arrogant, they became presumptuous, they, they think that they're the greatest thing, they don't even congregate anymore, so Lord, <laughs> Hit them again hard. <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer that you take away the finances, but that they don't lose their soul. Are you with me? Are you understanding? Praise Jesus. So we become arrogant at times. And now that we have the money, so the money speaks more about us than anything else. Oh, how rich, how good it is to grow with a little bit of money in your pocket, right? And being still humble. How good is that? How good is it to be able to spend with humbleness and not forget who gives the money, who gives the knowledge, who gives the understanding. Say to the person to your side, when you have money, don't forget about the king. When you, when you have gold, don't forget about the king. Say it to them. Don't be shy. When you have the gold, don't forget about the king. Amen? Are you with me? Praise God. And the same thing when you have your courtship. Only in the heart... Only I don't have a husband or I mean, I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. And then I start to congregate and God starts to fill me and he opens up my eyes and then boom, I see a princess in the house. How beautiful. How nice. We get married and they get married and they go. The honeymoon is there for the whole life. They forget about congregating as well. And I say there not to divorce. No, no, Lord. Hit them hard. But that they come back, that they humble themselves and they come seeking you, that they continue seeking you, that the... Kisses of the romance doesn't take the passion for the Lord. Are you with me? It's necessary to continue bowing before the Lord, continue worshiping. They did it. These men were known. They were rich. They knew. They had the knowledge of everything. And they came to bow down. It's an act of humbleness, an act of wisdom, and an act of growth. As that song says, there is no place that is greater or higher then being at your feet, that's a song in Spanish. It says, No hay lugar más alto, más grande, 
Estar a tus pies. And that again is there's no place higher than being at your feet. And there I will remain. How's it go? Bowed at your feet. Once again. And there I will remain. That's the lyrics of the song. To the feet of Christ Jesus. Oh, how great it is. Blessed be the Lord. Amen. There's no place greater nor higher church than being bowed down before the feet of he who is king and Lord of lords, king of kings and Lord of lords. How great. How great to maintain that heart on, you have your heart on this earth and having him there, there and understanding that we're not greater than him. The other thing, how they responded, they responded with offerings. They gave offerings. And there in Matthew 2, verse 11, and the second part, what does it say? Let us read it then. And it says, and when they had come into the house, are you with me? And it says, and when they had come into the house, sorry, I'm going to read it all, not just the second part. I'm going to read the whole part again. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when, say, and when, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. What did they offer him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not only did they inquire, reading scripture, and looking where the star was going to direct them, and marching till there, but they also worshipped with their hearts, and they humbled themselves and they left their knowledge, their greatness, and they bowed down. They fell down before him. But now they opened their treasures and they gave him tribute with frankincense, myrrh, and gold. The Bible doesn't get confused. The Bible shows us everything. They, we seek him and we worship him and we honor him with everything. Say to the person to your side, with everything, with incense, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Each one of those has its significance. But I want to stay on the point that this wise man knew that he was the king, Jesus. And as king, he needed things for his kingdom, for his reigning. And it was understood in that time, the governors, because they had the authority and everything in all the kingdoms that, where they exercised their kingdom, they had the ability to say, this person dies today and that's it. And that's it. Simple. A king would do whatever he wanted. Like the kings had a power that when a woman would come to them and they liked, they would say, ask me what you want. Even to half of the kingdom. Look at what the king can give to a person. So ask me what you want and I'll do it for you. Ask me what you want and I'll do it for you. If something that they understood in that time is that the kings, you would give them tribute. To the kings, you would give honor. And they came with the attitude, understanding correctly that Jesus was the king of the Jews and we understand that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And as such, they came to give him tribute to the king because the king is the owner. If the king is the owner, he's the owner of everything. And I understand that I am only an administrator of what he gives me and allows me to minister. But I have come to give tribute. But they knew that they had to give to that king as they were recognizing him from them frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Every king receives honor. And my question is, are you 
Or do we honor Jesus with everything? Because at times, at times we inquire of him and we come and we worship him and we cry and we bow down. The other thing is, do we offer him of what are our goods, our talents and our possessions? Because what they had, they gave to him. And we have to learn that as well. And Dr. Morales was touching on the topic of the tithes and the offerings. Let me say, that's an act of, a coherent act of a Christian being that recognizes who are they before. So God is the owner of the gold and silver. The Bible says that. And God doesn't need my money. No. And he didn't need their money because if not them, he would have been able to provide a blessing for his family in another way. But he used them and he wanted to use them. And they were a vase of a blessing or a cup of blessing so that Jesus would have a stable house and his mother and his father would have finances to raise a child because he is the king of Israel. Are you with me? Our worship is accompanied with devotion. Say to the person to your side, our worship is accompanied with devotion. Our talents and our positions should honor the king. Do you honor God with your talents? Do you honor God with your finances? Or do you save that for yourself? And you say, saying you're king in the Lord, but this I am in charge of 100%. Keep that in your mind. Take that in your heart. And the other thing that they did is that they turned away. Say with me, they turned away. And when I said that they turned away, it's not that they turned away from the faith. No, what it is, is that they turned away from the evil acts. They separated themselves from doing anything damaging that now they knew Jesus. They noticed where he was born. They came to where he was born. They inquired of him. They sought him. They arrived. They worshiped. They gave him offerings. And when they gave him offerings, they received a command in their heart. And it's that they turned away from the paths of unrighteousness. Let us see there in chapter 2 of Matthew, in verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to who? To Herod. Say it with me. They departed for their own country another way. Read it with me in a loud voice, please. Let us go. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Look at what they did now. Now, their lives had a turn. Why? Because they had spoken with Herod, and Herod had said some things to them. And later we're going to understand it more. But they made a decision that now to follow the commands that their heart dictated them. Because it was real on behalf of God. Don't go through the path of Herod. Go through another way. Because Herod is scheming on something that should not be. And you're not going to be a participant of that. Listen well. Listen to this. When we get into the King of the Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is Jesus, we have to give a response now to the things that he puts in our hearts or the commands that he starts to tell us and to dictate to us. If something that Christ does is that he becomes Lord and Lord is the one that is in charge, the owner. When one has Christ in their heart, he starts to change their mind. You've heard there, oh, that they washed your brain. Have you heard that? Your brain washed. Well, it's true. Christ comes and he washes your brain with the precious blood of his and he takes away all the bad things and he puts good things. He takes all the bad things and he puts good things, commands of life, commands of blessing so that you could be a blessing on this earth. Are you with me? If something that the Lord does is that he gives you new things. If one is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creature. 
the old ways of evilness pass, and now they're made new. So don't go through the path of Herod. Don't go there. Go to your house, but go to a different way. When you get with the Lord, you start to walk distinctively. In Psalm 32, 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Will you read it with me, please? So that no one is sleeping in a loud voice. One, two, and three. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. What is the king doing when he comes into your heart? He makes us understand the way that we should walk. And he puts his eyes upon us. And for us is to respond correctly before his new directions. Because he's going to tell you, don't do this anymore. You know it already. Or God doesn't speak to your heart. He says, no more of that. And you have to say, that's why the preaching today is responses to Jesus. How are you going to respond before what he is saying of not doing anymore? Look at the mercy. Don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. He's saying to you. He's persevering. He's persevering. He's persevering the grace in the heart. Wow. What a beautiful grace. Convincing us of righteousness through his Holy Spirit. We have to understand and to learn to renounce damaged things. Say to the person to your side, renounce the damaging things. Say it to the other person. Say it to yourself. And say it to yourself, renounce the damaging things. What are the damaging things? You know it. Everyone knows. Everyone is attracted to their own lusts. It's necessary to renounce. He said to them to renounce that path. He spoke in the hearts. Renounce. Don't go by Herod because something bad is going to happen. They go through another way. So he's going to be saying, God is going to do something that he starts to show us paths of blessings. And to walk in the path of the Lord is always a blessing. Look, I'm going to say this. In, in, in a, we turn away at times from what is wasteful. In my country, is, is a, a, there's a vulture that's black that, you know, speaks, or rather eats all the dead animals. The vultures, have you seen it? They come down. It's the first one that comes to eat those dead animals. They're always there. They're vultures. They're vultures. They're vultures. There's another bird that's greater, but no, we're speaking of the vultures. You seek it there. That's, in whatever language you speak, look for it. So that animal, I'm going to say to you, in my land is a, a saying to not waste gunpowder on the vultures because the vulture is an animal that is a meat eater and the the hunters say, don't waste your gunpowder. Don't waste your gunpowder on a vulture because you can't even eat it. If you're going to shoot them, shoot to the prey. Yes, that you can eat. And we have to understand this as well. When we're in the Lord, how they learned it. They told them, don't waste your gunpowder on a vulture. And because they weren't from, uh, they weren't Paisa from Colombia, they didn't understand that. That's what they were saying that. Don't go to Herod. That person is a stubborn, thick-headed. Don't waste your strength. Don't even think. He's abandoned. Listen, I translated fast easily. One has to learn to discern who they are speaking to of the Lord and who not to speak of the Lord. 
You have to learn. One cannot be better than God. There's times when you have to leave a person to God. You say, listen, I already spoke and I spoke, Lord, but this person is taking me, taking away my strengths. This person is finishing with me. This person is taking everything from me. This person irritates me. This person mocks the word. They mock my faith. They mock everything. And you have to learn how they did it like the disciples did. Jesus told them, go to the cities. Go to the villages. Knock. Where they receive you, say, peace be with you. And if he give you peace, enter, speak with them. But if they don't receive you, it says, shake the dust off you. Right? And they will see what they do with the word that was preached to them. They will see with the opportunity that came to them. But you have to learn to analyze who you're going to speak to. I'm going to tell you a little story. Mm. I'm not all right, I'm not going to say the story. <laughs> I got scared because people were coming on the altar. Stay over there on the stairs. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> and I look at the time. Okay. Look. Do I say it? Do you want to hear the story? Yes or no? <laughs> In the doctrinal love, you preach the doctrine of Christ to the people. In the doctrine that I have, I only have the doctrine, I have Christ for salvation. That's the doctrine. And I preach Christ, 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 Christ. Christ-centered, Bible-centered. Christ-centered, Bible-centered. And now some start with thoughts and with things, and you can think, and is the problem is how they think and how they want to manage an opinion. I never went against my, against my pastors in Medellin, or those in New York. Never. When I had a thought that was theological, and I always went with humbleness, like the mag, I humble, and I said, Pastor, I have this thought, and what do you tell me about this? And with a joyful heart, they would respond. And I would then, but I never went arrogantly to say, and try to teach them something, or to come and to step on their faith and say, oh, you're mistaken. I never did that, and nor will I ever do that. Never. And here in the church, you have those blessings and time. I'm saying in the years, in the 14 years of this church, in the 14 years of this church. And there was a time when a young person started to change the doctrine and started to change the doctrine. And he's Christian, but now with a lot of thoughts and a lot of things, glory to God. But, but in his change of doctrine, there was other youth of the church started to embrace that doctrine. They started to cause a pain here. And a wastefulness, and I'm trying to deal with one. And but look at what the scripture says, my brother. But look at what scripture says. But look at what scripture says. And well, it was a wasteful time of trying to save. And Lord, what do I do with these young people? What do I do with this? And they were more determined to do what they wanted to do. So they started to compare me with other pastors of the city. To compare me, what's that? And there was a point that one day one of them calls me, and I wanted to attend them, and then they asked me through the car. Uh, can I ask you on the phone? And it says, look in scripture, look at such and such. And I start to heat the oil and look at this. And this is this. And this is how this. And I said, look well, look at the text. And look, this is revealed. And I was so tired. So tired. And so mentally wasted. And I wanted to have a desire to teach them. And, and I said, oh, okay, thank you for the word. Oh, I'm going to analyze it. No. He was refuting, refuting, refuting. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'll tell you about the oil later. I went to 
lay down and rest and watch news. My child was resting as well. When all of a sudden, beep, beep, the oil, when I came down, that smoke was rising and the house, the, the kitchen in my house was on fire. And with that, I, I was scared and I grabbed my son and I came out and I called 911 and the house was on flames and there was flames and I could not enter to get the dog from the garage to break the, the, the doors. The firemen came, the police came. We lost the house, look, all for trying to deal and give a word of life to someone who's a vulture. And from that day, I said, no more. I'm not going to waste. I said, Lord, you know I'm going to preach the word. And who wants to ask me is going to ask me. And if they want to come to my office, they can ask me. And if they want to call me and they invite me to their house to sit down and ask questions, I'm going to respond. But Lord, I am not going to risk my family or risk any of my possessions because someone who's thick-headed, never again. Never again, Lord. Never again. The price Christ paid it. My brother and sisters, the ministerial school, the Bible study groups. You could call the office here. You could call us on our cell phones. We don't deny anyone. And, you know, behind somebody, come, come, come. And that person mocking. The word of God says not to feed or cast your pearls to the swine, nor to the dogs. Because they'll trample them on their feet. So these men, what did they do? They did not burn their gunpowder in Herod. Don't waste yourself on things that are no longer fructifying in your life. And I'm not talking about people, but things that don't give you results, but you're still there going and going and going. There's things that are no longer going to be. Turn away. Look to, for the Lord a different direction. Amen? Let us go into the second point so that they don't take me out of here. King Herod. What was King Herod's? That man also inquired. Look at what King Herod, he inquired. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, read it with me. Are you with me? Then one, two, three. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Can we read it once again? One, two, three. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So he inquired of the uh, appearing of that star. He inquired. There's many that ask themselves about Jesus. There's many who trace him historically. There are many they ask questions of history and of knowledge. But the question is, but with what intention? What did Herod do? Also, he delegated. When I say he delegated, there's something curious here that I want to bring. And it says, and he sent them, let us continue reading, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 2, verse 8. What did he do? He delegated. What a beautiful behavior. That happens to a lot of people. When the man says to the wife, go my wife go to the uh, church and then later tell me about it. <laughs> or vice versa. The, hus the wife says, get to the husband, go, go to the church and you tell me later. Or a child to a certain, no, you go, that's for you, mom. Then later you tell me about what they preach. What an erroneous attitude to put others that they grow in the faith and you don't. Say to the person to your side, that can't happen with you. Say to them, that cannot happen with you. 
Those are natural behaviors in some. Go, go, go. And later I'll go. I'll go to the service at night. And you know, at the service at night, you don't arrive. I tell you, be careful of a spirit that is called a Herodian spirit that goes from generation and generation. And it goes upon the hearts of some people. And it takes, it, it makes them make those erroneous decisions. And the other thing he did was that he conspired. In verse 8, Matthew chapter 2, verse 8. And he sent to them, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Look at what he conspired. I'm going to go and worship him. But verse 13 says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek, listen, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 16. Then everyone in a loud voice. Then Herod, when he saw he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. That Herodian spirit is very common. It's always been present and will be present. That spirit, that's the spirit that persecutes the church of Christ. That's the spirit that persecutes the children of the church of the Lord. That's the spirit that seeks and inquires, but with the end to break the work of the Lord. There's people that come here and come into the congregations to look, and they see everything bad. They see everything bad. Everything is bad. And when they make the list of bad, they go, this is bad, bad. Bad is your heart that you have of King Herod. Bad is your heart of, you don't see anything good, you see everything bad, because your heart has not been conquered by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If it was for that, then Christ would not have entered into your heart. Analyze this. If Christ enters into the heart, it's to be good. It says he didn't come to look for the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So then I would understand that there's places that are very strange, and I can understand that, but it's not my job to go there and say to them, be careful that many people are going to try to bring you close. And behind them, maybe there's a spirit of Herod operating behind them that is saying, yes to Christ, yes to Christ, but to destroy the faith that you operate and the grace that Christ is within you. Are you understanding this, church? Be careful with the Herodonian spirits, if you can call it as such. And church, please stand now. And to conclude, what is your response to Jesus today? It's a question for you. What is your response to Jesus today? What response are you going to, are you going to continue inquiring? Are you going to be conformed? Are you going to study the word? Are you going to still fall in love with him? Are you looking for him secretly? Please close your eyes. What response are you giving to the Lord? Are you staying with only inquiring about who he is? Or do you make the decision to seek him cost what it may cost? Like those people from Iraq, they went all the way to Bethlehem. Without caring about the time, the sun, the coldness. How much more you that you have air conditioning with a car? How much more, church? How easier? Because 
They didn't only inquired. They sought him and they sought him to worship him, to worship him, to recognize him as God and king, as the king of Israel. And not only did they worship him of, from their mouth, but they worshiped him with their possessions. And they came very prepared. They knew where they were going. They were coming to give tribute to the king of the prophecy spoke of that was going to be born. And they came with the tribute, not only in their heart, but of their possessions, of their own lives. They put it at risk to be able to get to him. What is your response? Meditate in your heart. If there's someone maybe that wants to separate you from the faith of Jesus, that has a spirit of Herod, don't let them contaminate you. Meditate in your heart. If someone wants to take you to take you out of this way of life, or someone is inviting you to go through a path of evilness, follow the Holy Spirit that says, don't go to that path of evilness. Turn away from me. Don't go with invitations that will damage your faith. Would you allow me with your hands lifted? If you close your eyes for a moment, be careful of all that is disguised as piousness and of goodness because Herod did it. He disguised himself of piety and of goodness and eloquent and tender words with the end to cause a damage. Be careful. Be careful of invitations that are camouflaged of goodness and tenderness. Be careful. Be careful of indecent proposals disguised of something cordial. Be careful. Turn away from that path of evilness and of cursing and inquire well of Jesus. Worship him with all your heart and bring him and give him all your talents. Offer it to him, your goods, your possessions. But remain, remain. Father, I bless this people, Lord. I bless this beautiful church. And I cry out that they maintain their faith put on Christ Jesus. That you affirm them more and more and more. That they don't get detoured for anything. That you continue speaking them through this word and through your spirit. So that they can make the correct decisions, Lord. And they understand the indecent proposals that are damaging. That want to take them out of the truth in Christ. And damage their faith. We bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Does someone have any applause for the king in this morning? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you. And please share with others. Have a wonderful day.